Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. For those that have not heard, it is National School Choice Week. As many of you know, I've been around the educational community for most of my life. I was fortunate enough to attend both big public schools and a small private school as a kid. Later, I had the honor of teaching in a private school, as well as currently teaching in a homeschool resource center, which I really enjoy. I spent 10 years on a public school board, including being chairman and also a liaison with the state legislature on educational issues. Not to mention, my wife and I currently homeschool our daughters now. Now, I say all that not to toot my own horn, but to let you know that I've seen a lot of things within the educational arena from all sides, big schools, little schools, public schools, private schools, home schools, and resource centers. You name it, I have some experience that gives me inside into the issues affecting education of our children. One of the things that I have said for a very long time is that children and families would be greatly helped if there were school choice. When I was on the school board, we have um, we had a large number of schools uh, in that district for a district that size. One of the priorities of the board was that is, is not to have cookie cutter schools. We didn't want each school looking exactly the same and teaching exactly the same. And, and you couldn't almost tell the difference if you didn't know where you were. The idea was to inject as much school choice as possible into the system. We would simply allot each school a certain amount of money according to the attendance of that school. And they could make decisions to spend that money based on the priorities of that school. This made each school have a, a different character, a, a different look, and, and even feel that was unique from the others. Some wanted kind of the no-frills vibe and, and concentrated on, on low class sizes, for instance. Others concentrated on having as, as many bells and whistles as possible, but that came with a price in, in other areas. It also uh, promoted competition. Oh, I know. <laughs> we are not supposed to say that word when talking about schools. But here on the Uncommon Sense Podcast, we talk about a lot of things that we're not supposed to. Competition was a really good thing within our district. If after-school sports or activities were important to you and your child, well, there was a, a bigger school that had that. And if you were looking for more of a small four-room country schoolhouse kind of feel, well, your elementary school student had the same teacher for multiple years, even. We had that too. Some schools would save money by sharing a music teacher or even an administrator, for instance. So, for instance, they, uh, a teacher would go to one school for two days out of the week and teach uh, the you know teach Spanish there, and then 
they would go to another school and, and, and teach two days out of the week there or whatever. And, and they were able to, to have that, that Spanish class or that choir or that band or whatever, um, and, and, and do it affordably. And all this was up to them for the most part, really. And they, they made these decisions based on what they felt was best for them and their school. Now, if you were a parent and you liked what a school was doing in, in another part of the district and felt your child would do better in that atmosphere, well, you, you could put in for a transfer. And as long as there was room and you provided the transportation, you were allowed to choose what school your, your child attended. This was a huge success, both for schools, for the parents, and, and most importantly, for the kids. Our school district was one of the very best in the state by all measures. School choice, even on this small of a level, was proven to work, and this was just simply undeniable. Why would choice and competition not be successful? The the education community uses it after K-12. You have thousands of choices of places to choose from in the form of universities, colleges, trade schools, online classes, etc. All of these are vying for your post-high school dollars. And you have the choice to choose a school that fits your needs, that fits your values, fits your priorities. Why are we not taking the same attitude toward our K-12 systems? Well, one of the biggest answers to that question is teachers' unions. They are very opposed to any kind of competition being injected into the current way of doing things. This is not because they have the children's best at heart in this country. This is because we had school choice in this country. If, If we did, they would lose some of their power and control. And and they so desperately work hard to hang on to that. But things are changing. It, it all started, I would say, maybe about a year and a half ago, maybe a little before that, but a year and a half ago, there was, there was a piece written by Walter Weber, and he's of the ACLJ. Back, this, 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 uh, this article dates back to July 1st of 2020, and it's entitled Big Victory in Supreme Court School Choice Case. And he says, yesterday... The U.S. Supreme Court released an important ruling supporting school choice for parents. The American Center for Law and Justice, that's the ACLJ, uh, had filled a friend of the uh, court brief uh, in the case. They, They had filed that, urging the high court to uphold the school choice program at issue. In its five to four decision in Espinoza versus Montana Department of Revenue, the court declared a state need not subsidize private education, but once a state decides to do so, it cannot disqualify some private schools solely because they are religious. This was big. The case involved a Montana school choice program under the, the program donors who support private scholarship funds uh, may take a state income tax credit. And the idea is that the, the taxpayers get an incentive to support the scholarships, which in turn, in turn, help parents 
of limited means or parents of children with disabilities send their children to school and to the school they believe is best suited to their children's needs. Now, after Montana adopted the tax credit program, the Montana State uh, Tax Agency issued a rule, of course, right, that disqualified any scholarship fund that included religious schools as beneficiaries. Under the restrictive rule, a state agency declared that parents could use scholarships to choose secular private schools, but not religious private schools. Some parents who wanted to send their children to religious schools then brought suit in the state court and challenging the the disqualification of such schools. A a victory for the parents, a, a state trial court agreed to the exclusionary rule being invalid, but the Montana Supreme Court reversed, holding that under the Montana Constitution, the state was forbidden to have a program that included religious schools. Now, the parents then filed a petition with the U.S. Supreme Court, contending that the state's discrimination against religious schools violated the Free Exercise and Equal Protection Clause of the United States Constitution. The ACLJ argued that that governments often employ tax incentives in the form of, you know, uh, credits or exemptions or deductions to to pursue desired social goods, such as the fostering of charitable works and the education of children. That the incentive incentivized activities may involve religious entities or pursuit of religious goals is not a constitutional problem. What the government may not do is discriminatorily exclude otherwise disqualified eligible entities solely uh, of of their religious identity and activities. So thus, a, a government's posting of a, quote, no religious choices or entities allowed sign, whether literally or, or figuratively, would run afoul of both the Equal Protection Clause and the Religious and Speech Clauses of the First Amendment. Well, the Supreme Court agreed, embracing, and, and I know, shocker, really, almost, right? The Supreme Court agreed, and they, they embraced uh, this, this decision by saying, quote, the unremarkable conclusion that disqualifying otherwise eligible recipients from a public benefit solely because of their religious character imposes a penalty on the free exercise of religion that triggers the most exacting scrutiny. Now, importantly, the, the court specifically noted the, the adverse impact that the state Supreme Court ruling had on parents and parents' rights to choose religious education for their children. As, as Chief Justice Roberts noted in his majority opinion, and, and I, I've been... I, I have definitely not liked a lot of what Justice Roberts has done in recent times, but here on this one, he got it right. And, 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 he, and he got it right along with Justice Alito, of course. No, Justice Alito noted the importance of school choice to parental rights to raise their children in accordance to their values. He said this, he said, quote, today's public schools are quite different from those envisioned by Horace Mann. But many parents of many different faiths still believe that their local schools inculcate a worldview 
that is antithetical to what they teach at home. Many have turned to religious schools at considerable expense and have undertaken the burden of homeschooling. The Montana program provided necessary aid for parents who pay taxes to support the public schools, but who disagree with the teaching there. The program helped parents of modest means do what more affluent parents can do, send their children to a school of their choice. Now, school choice is a win-win. Parents select the, select the program that best suits their educational plan for their children. Taxpayers save the money that public schools would otherwise have had to spend on children. And society enjoys greater freedom of diversity rather than having all children, except those wealthy enough to escape, forced into a one-size-fits-all program dictated by you know, governmental educational agencies. The, the Supreme Court's decision in Espinoza overturns the rule of religious hostility imposed by the Montana Supreme Court and provides a ringing victory for school choice. But, but that was just a, a, a start. In another article from the 22nd of last month, the same Walter M. Weber of the ACLJ wrote this. He said, the Supreme Court is currently considering an important school choice case out of Maine. Carlson v. Macon. The, a, a, at issue is Maine's um, categorical exclusion of religious schools from a program that gives tuition assistance to families in districts where there is no public high school. You see, on, on December 8th of, of last year, the justices heard oral arguments, and a couple of, of points deserve particular mention. First, the, the attorney representing Maine, which, of course, opposed the claims of the families who, who want to send their children to religious private schools, said again and again that this, this, is, this is interesting, the most important or defining feature of public education is being non-sectarian or secular. Not, not a good education in math, or not a good education in reading or in writing, not familiarization with the founding principles of our nation or the preparation for mature future citizenship, you know, getting people ready to be uh, successful adults in society, not learning basic human interaction skills or teamwork. No, it was non-sectarianism is the most prominent feature of what our public education system should be doing. Now, second, the attorney for Maine flatly stated that schools teaching Marxism or Leninism would be completely inconsistent with a public education. But, <laughs> showing their hypocrisy, of course, but when asked about critical race theory, he couldn't answer. <laughs> the lessons should be drawn from, from this are, are just wide. Number one, parental choice is crucial. Families, not bureaucrats or public school union officials, should be the ones judging what content is best for their children. Some parents will will prefer secularism, some religion. Some won't care as long as the basics are covered. Some parents will want an education that, that slants left. And some will prefer a slant toward, you know, traditionalism or some won't care, right? 
letting the parents make the choice without the burden or the penalty puts the responsibility with the parents. And that's where it belongs. Putting government, you know, educrats in charge uh, by, by contrast risks the endless politicization of education as the government will be picking which views wins and which view loses on, on some you know, controversy of the day. Now, not only do we think school choice is the constitutional solution, it is also, it, it solves a lot of endless education disputes by putting the authority where it belongs, and that's with the parents. So how does school choice do this? And, and what are the benefits? Well, in an article from Heritage.org, school choice is, growing, is, is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The results are tangible, and states are leading the way, giving parents more options in their children's education than ever before. And here are 10 of the most promising benefits of school choice. Number one. School choice is good for student safety. Parents who exercise school choice frequently list school safety as one of their primary reasons for doing so. School safety is a particular concern in communities where violence is common. School choice uh, options can help students escape communities where bullying, uh, gang-related violence, or other school violence is common. This has proved um, in in the Milwaukee case, where uh, research found that school choice participants were half as likely to commit felonies and misdemeanors as those who went to their local public school. I mean, that is a huge difference. On a wider scale, five uh, empirical studies have found that students participating in private school choice are safer and receive better schooling. School safety was among the top three reasons parents exercise school choice in the largest ever survey conducted of private school choice programs. Uh, Among the nearly 15,000 respondents in Florida, 36% listed school safety in their top three priorities when choosing a school. Parents have reported similar school safety-related motivations uh, for ex- uh, exercising the educational choice in other settings, such as Washington, D.C. But number two, school choice increases parental satisfaction and involvement. Most parents who exercise school choice report that they are highly satisfied with their uh, child's chosen school. In, in Arizona, for example, more than 70% of respondents with with children who use the, the state education savings account option were very satisfied. Moreover, parents of students in the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program uh, reported being more satisfied and more involved in their children's education when allowed to choose their children's school. In other words, they weren't just throwing up their hands in the air and going, you know, there's not a whole lot I can do about it because this is where my kid has to go and it's terrible, but you know, they got to go there. So they don't even get involved. Well, here's number three. Education choice can give students an education tailored to their needs. Tools such as education savings accounts empower parents with the educational funds to tailor 
children's education to their exact needs. Take take the the Visser family. Um, thanks to the Arizona's education savings account option, their son Jordan, who has cerebral palsy, um, was able to tailor a learning program to fit his specific educational needs. Quote, we've done a, a schooling at home program now for two years with the teacher, explained Kathy Visser, who's Jordan's mom. She said she's, she's got the, the visual knowledge to work with his vision. And she's a special ed teacher. Jordan's father, uh, Christo, added that uh, workbooks and mathematics and multiplicatives, we, we are developing his curriculum based on his needs. And that's a huge advantage for us. You see, that's the type of, of customization that the traditional one-size-fits-all district model simply just cannot provide. So moving on to number four, school choice provides options for lower income families. Education choice breaks the arbitrary link between the child's housing and the school that he can attend. This means that the price of home and family, um, that what they can afford no longer determines their child's access to a quality education. When we picked our house here, we picked it partly because of the area it was in and the fact that it was in what, what looked like to be good schools. Now, since we've, we've decided we want to homeschool, but, that, but not everybody gets that choice. For, for some middle-income families and, and many more upper-income families, this link has already effectively severed. I mean, they can do like what we did, and that's choose the area they want to live in. They afford to pay twice you know, for both their, their child's private school tuition and the taxes to support the public schools. So if I was to send, you know, my girls to, to a private school, I would have to pay for that private school. And I'm already paying for the public school. But, but for lower income families, this just isn't the case. They can't do that. They don't, they can't afford it. School choice means access to a quality education that it that isn't conditional on the family's ability to purchase an expensive home or pay twice. And number five, school choice leads to higher graduation rates. And that's something, of course, we all want to see. Students participating in school choice programs are significantly more likely to graduate from high school. For instance, school participation in the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program, which helps low-income students attend private schools of their choice, experienced a 21% increase in graduation rates. That's huge. That is a huge number. Number six, school choice saves tax dollars. Well, school choice options achieve all the benefits previously listed that, 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 that we talked about at much lower cost to taxpaying Americans than the typical public school model. Now, school choice mechanisms like vouchers, which I like a lot, uh, tax credits, uh, scholarships, and educational savings accounts cost a fraction of what is spent in the in the public system. So they are a win-win. I mean, both for the taxpayers and for the students. One study found that access to the DC Opportunity Scholarship Program, be, because of its positive impact on graduation rates, 
produced a $2.62 return on every dollar spent on the voucher program. So that is just, that, 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 that is crazy success right there. Number seven, school choice puts competitive pressure on schools. It, introducing school choice options increases the overall quality of local schools since improvement occurs when the threat of competition is there alone. Research so, shows that public school students perform uh, performance in both Florida and Milwaukee improved after the launch of the new school choice opportunities. So again, it's provable. Number eight, school choice makes schools more accountable. School choice creates direct accountability to parents. It gives schools a strong incentive to meet the needs of their their students since unsatisfied parents can take their children to you know, educational and their educational dollars elsewhere. So the bottom the bottom up approach of a market-based education system means that parents are are education providers and their immediate stakeholders. This creates a feedback loop, so to speak, that that does not exist in the more centralized top-down systems like, you know, school districts. Policymakers should trust parents and education providers in, you know, to 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 collaborate together as as they work to meet the needs of a diverse student population. Number 9. I'm getting to the end here. Number 9. School choice makes education dollars go farther. Milton and Rose Friedman rightly argue that people are more likely to economize and maximize money when it's their own, right? Rather than someone else's. The same principle applies to education, where parents have a greater incentive to maximize their education dollars than traditional public school officials. Education savings accounts offer parents flexibility. Funds can be used for education costs, ranging from textbooks to educational tutoring to therapies, uh, and, and unused funds roll over each year. This gives parents a powerful incentive to economize and maximize the, the value of their education dollars and get the biggest bang for their buck. And lastly, school choice helps cultivate citizens. Private schools do a better job than traditional schools at cultivating civic values in, in their students, such as civic participation and, and, and tolerance. They also tend to give more focus to character and moral form, formation, something parents value in schools, according to a recent Ed Choice study. School choice creates greater opportunities for all children to have access to education that instills democratic values. Now, one concrete example comes from New York, where low-income minority students were more likely to register to vote and turn out in elections. Isn't that interesting? Options, uh, options are a good thing, especially when it comes to education. But today, most American parents remain at the whim of whatever school that they live in. Education choice gives students the opportunity to pick their own public school. Maybe they want to pick their charter school, or they want to pick a private school, online learning option, private tutoring, or, or homeschooling option. As Nathan Hoffman recently put it, he said this, he said, the best public school won't work for every student. The best private school won't work for every student. The best 
public charter school won't work for every student. The best viral school won't work for every student. It's about having options. Options mean liberty. And our education system needs more of it. You know, I couldn't agree more. If we really have the the best interests of our children at heart, we will look to implement school choice options across the country. Through, Through this pandemic, we have seen states here in the Pacific Northwest, like Oregon and Washington, make it so that you don't have to read, write, or do math in order to get a high school diploma. So again, what's it worth, right? We have seen kids that are up to three and a half grade levels behind where they should be. We have seen the priorities of some school systems, some teachers and administrators. But let's let's give the power of education back to the people that should really have it. And that's the parents. And you may agree with me, you may disagree with me. I would Really love to hear from you on this. And you can always go to our Facebook page. I would love, if you if you can, to like us there, you know, and, and click on the subscription link there, Instagram. Uh, or you can always go to uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.